1: Are we supposed to get married? I'm gonna just swipe left. I just want somebody to share my life with. And if you use all of the tools, so masking when appropriate, getting vaccinated, you'll be fine. You
0: can keep waiting for the fairy tale, or you can get on board with the new rules of relationships. If you've watched me on NBC's Access Daily, then you know this ain't your mama's love advice. This is Dates and Mates with Damona Hoffman. Hello, lovers. Welcome to another fabulous episode of Dates and Mates. It's officially Pride Month, lovers. It's a time for the LGBTQ community and its allies, aka me, to celebrate and to generate awareness about rights for folks in the LGBTQ community. And of course, this means there will be a lot of gathering, a lot of parading, maybe even the potential to meet more matches while you're out in these streets celebrating this pride. But of course, that means also There's gonna be a lot of close contact. (laughs) So while you're out there doing your thing, you gotta remember to stay safe and healthy. And there are some things out there in the ether that you need to still be aware of. Yes, COVID, still a thing. I heard about this monkey pox. There's STIs. Oh my gosh, we're not trying to scare you. We are here to have fun and celebrate pride. And that is exactly why I have brought back my good friend, Dr. James Simmons of Ask the NP to update us on where we are in the pandemic dating season and to get us pumped up for Pride Month. So no matter your sexual orientation or gender identity, there's a lot to learn in this episode and we're going to have fun doing it. But first and foremost, we got a dish. Our big headline today, straight women are dating in unexpected places. But is it working? And then later in Dear Demona, I'll tackle this question. After five weeks of chatting with my out-of-state match, he is coming to see me in person, and I'm scared. How do I set realistic expectations? All right, lovers, get your pride flags out because it's time to dish. These dating dish. Buzzfeed says straight women are on grinder now, and some people don't want them there. <laughs> This article begins with an anecdote from a pansexual woman named Lee. It says she joined Grindr in 2020 in search of bisexual men who were comfortable exploring different sexual situations, AKA butt stuff. <laughs> she thought that she would feel safe on Grindr and be able to avoid the heterosexual male gaze a bit further. And just for those of you who maybe aren't in the know, it's okay. It's Pride Month, so it's all about education as well as acceptance and uh, celebration. Grindr calls itself the world's largest social networking app for gay, bi, trans, and queer people. Um, didn't see straight people there. But the reality is that women have been trying to get on Grindr, trying to get it on, getting on Grinder since it launched in 2009. And many of you don't remember this. I remember this because, do the math, I've been coaching people on online dating and offline dating for over 15 years. Really, it's over 16, but then it's starting to make me sound old. So we'll just say over 15, which is accurate as well. And so I was around when a lot of people were going on Grinder and were like, but hey, what about me? <laughs> Every time like people of color or queer people get something, then everybody else is like, but what about me? What about all the things that I've had this whole time that now I want because you've created something specifically for this marginalized community? And so people were saying, please give me a straighter, female-friendly version of Grinder." And guess what? Grinder obliged. Grinder created a straight version of the app called Blender in 2011. Did you hear about it? Do you remember it? Probably not. I'm going to get mail from people. Like DM me at Damona Hoffman if you remember Blender, because most people do not, because it was a flop. It was an absolute flop and nobody wanted it. <laughs> so, This is not a new phenomenon, and cisgender women have been allowed on Grindr itself since 2017. But this is an interesting thing that's happening over the last year. Grindr users have been complaining about the influx of cis women seeking hookups with bisexual male partners. Now, I'm not talking about Lee, who's in the article. She's cisgender, but she she says that she's pansexual. So. Technically, okay, gay, bi, trans, and queer people. So technically, grinder is for her, but for people who are cis het, they're going on the app and they're like, I'm trying to pick up on bisexual men who maybe aren't comfortable being out as bisexual on what's called a traditional dating app, but this is like their safe space. And so there, they can find... An alternative to traditional masculinity, as the article says, they quoted a psychologist named Jennifer Vensel at the Mayo Clinic who specializes in working with LGBTQ plus clients. But the reality is there are more people identifying as bisexual than ever before. According to this article, 3% of U.S. adults in 2018 identified as bi compared to just 1% 10 years earlier. I'll actually tell you the numbers on OkCupid in the next segment with Dr. James. And nearly 12% of Gen Z folks say that they're bisexual compared with only 5% of millennials. I don't know, Gen X. They weren't keeping records then. (laughs) But it's also like showing up in pop culture. Like it's cool to be bi now, and there's like so much. There's been so much bi erasure, which we talked about last week on the show, actually, in um, in media and just in culture. But according to the GLAD survey, GLAD is a, a legal and advocacy organization for LGBTQ individuals. They surveyed. They have like a media survey, and they found thirty three bisexual male characters on TV. That is over four times as many as there were in 2012 or in 2013, less than 10 years ago. And so it makes sense, you know, life imitates art, art imitates life. It makes sense that we're seeing this show up more in culture as people are seeing it represented more. But I got to tell you something. You've heard me talk before on this podcast about trying to dictate what an app is used for. Like when people tell me, like, is Tinder the hookup app? Is this app for this? Is this app for that? We don't get to decide how the app is used. And and frankly, I guess Grindr would have to admit cis het women because, I mean, if they're an app that's about <laughs> inclusion for a marginalized group, you can't be about inclusion and be excluding other people. So it makes sense to me. But at the same time, (laughs) it's creating an environment where the people who are there because they don't feel safe on the other apps or have a hard time connecting with people who share their goals, their values, and their, their gender or sexual identity, they now feel like the place that was their safe space is no longer theirs. And it's kind of like, some of you don't know this, my very first freelance writing job in the dating coaching space was actually for J-Date. I had a column where people wrote in and I and I also talked about like dating relationship issues. I am Jewish. And there's a phenomenon on JDate where like they had a, a whole tag for non-Jewish people. In fact, one of my husband's best friends just got married last year to a non-Jewish woman who he met on J-Date. So again, we don't dictate how the app is going to be used, but I got to tell you, you're going to get some side eye if you're going on Grindr, even if you're going with the explicit purpose of meeting bisexual men. And again, I I really wonder if this is kind of getting into a bit of fetishization, because unless you're looking for a thruple where you are having sex with two men, I'm not sure that that person's bisexuality is relevant in your dating search. What is probably going on is that there's something else that you're connecting to among those bisexual men. Maybe it's the safety and security. Maybe there's something that's going on internally and rejecting traditional masculine traits. Maybe it's that it feels like there's less pressure like if I'm dating a bisexual guy and he rejects me then it's not about me it's about my gender and then I can protect myself. I don't know. I'm not sure if my dates and mates listeners are out in these grinder streets as cishet women, but it's just something to be aware of. <laughs> it's something to be aware of. It's something I didn't actually know cuz I'm not on grinder personally. I didn't know that this was a big issue, but I pay attention when I hear that people within a community feel that something is not okay. It's my job, especially during Pride Month, to educate you, let you know what the attitudes are, what the options are, and what the outcomes may be, whether you are doing it or not. When we come back. Returning guest, Dr. James Simmons of Ask the NP, will bring us into Pride Month and give us an update on where we are in the pandemic dating season. Monkeypox, HIV, and fentanyl. Oh my. And believe me, if you don't think this applies to you, you got another thing coming. Welcome back. I'm here with my good friend, Dr. James Simmons. He is a board certified acute care nurse practitioner frontline healthcare provider during the COVID-19 pandemic and passionate on-air medical contributor. You've heard him here on Dates and Mates a few times before talking about dating in the age of COVID. He's appeared on NBC, Fox, CBS, ABC, KTLA, Loveline, and more. Please give big smooches to my fan favorite guest, Dr. James Simmons.
1: What, am I really a fan favorite? Stop it. Of
0: course you are, yeah. (laughs) Especially like my clients, they're like, when is Dr. James gonna be back? Can Dr. James tell me what is going on? Like, okay, let's just start really, really briefly because we can't, Uh we can't ignore the COVID in the room. (laughs) It's literally in the room, Dr. James.
1: Right. As much as we want to, as much as we want to ignore it.
0: I know. And everyone's asking me like, wait, I thought it was okay to go back to IRL dating. I'm seeing from the OkCupid stats that people are ready to go back IRL dating. But I mean, from what you're seeing, is it still a big risk?
1: So I think it really depends on who you are in terms of risk. So interestingly, some data just came out that Omicron, because remember, everyone was talking about how like Omicron, oh, it's just like a bad cold. Don't worry about it. No big deal. Right. And in some instances, that's true. But for seniors, so anybody 65 and older listening, Omicron actually ended up being more deadly than Delta.
0: So if you're younger than that, then like you're cool. You're cool. Like you could just do whatever.
1: I mean, you kind (laughs) of might be, but and here's the thing: we're in we're in a different world now since the last time we had to talk about this. So hopefully, you are at least doubly vaccinated, if not boosted once and boosted four times, if you're eligible. I'm trying, and you know, I think we we have some therapeutics now that are available that uh, are kind of hard to get your hands on. But if you do get sick with COVID, Paxlovid does seem to work. So if you are not immunocompromised. If you don't live with someone who's immunocompromised or has like high risk and you're vaccinated, I think you can do IRL dating. And the only thing I would add to that is, you know, I think it's probably a pretty good way to sort of feel out this person you're going to go on a date with. So let's say you met, it's on, okay, OKCupid, you're doing great. You're like chatting. Let's meet in real life. And they're like, well, I'm not vaccinated. I don't believe in it. I don't want to get tested. OK, maybe you're going to think twice about going on a date with that person. But if you're like, hey, You know what? The government's given us 12 free home tests. Why don't you take one of those home tests real quick? I'll do the same thing. And if we're both negative, let's meet tonight for dinner. I think that's totally fine.
0: Yes. I co-sign that completely. You know, when I'm gathering with friends, I'm like, hey, can we all just like pop a little pop a little swab up there just for peace (laughs) of mind? So for me, my rule is it's either outdoors or we rapid test before it's free Mm covetest.gov. And even if like i have to buy like cuz i am going through these rapid tests like pretty fast like fast. rapidly rapid right. rapid <laughs> tests they're 10 bucks they're 10 bucks each i think yeah. like that's the cost of a drink most places i think that's mm-hmm. worth just mm-hmm. for the peace of mind it's not perfect obviously but it's a good way right. to to like we we have to get to IRL dating like we
1: we absolutely and i love that you said perfect by the way the only thing i'll i'll leave folks with is that we know this isn't perfect the vaccines aren't perfect. N- none of this is perfect. But use these tools so that you can be more comfortable. And if you use all of the tools, so masking when appropriate, getting vaccinated, rapid testing when you need to, et cetera, et cetera, like you'll, you'll be fine.
0: And who cares? Because like next we're all going to catch monkey pox
1: right? <laughs> no. What is up with
0: this monkeypox? I'm like, oh my God, I just got myself vaccinated. What is monkeypox?
1: And you're like, now I have to worry about monkeypox? I know. Isn't this thing wild? So it's in, the, it's in the same category as like smallpox and chickenpox. It's like a cousin virus. And monkeypox is actually, should be called rodent pox. It, it was first discovered in 1958 in sub-Saharan Africa. And it was probably jumped from rodents to humans. And here's the thing. It's really, really hard to catch. So I just want to out the gate, let everyone know, like you can be calm about this. Monkeypox is super hard to catch. It also, depending on who you are and your risk factor. So if you, again, you have a compromised immune system, you are already maybe had an underlying illness, something like that. It can be a little bit dangerous. Some countries have death rates for this as much as 6%, some as 10%, but those countries don't have robust health systems like we do here in the States. So It's got a fairly high mortality rate, but it's really, really, really hard to get. And you probably shouldn't get it because, A, we only have about 550 confirmed cases in the world as of the recording of this podcast, and B, it has a very obvious rash. Like, just Google monkeypox rash. If anyone has this rash, like, don't touch them. Don't sleep with them. Don't share anything with them. Say, I think you have a rash that so you need to go get checked out and i'm going to sit over here <laughs> right
0: <laughs> okay thank you for giving us the language <laughs> like it's very helpful to know exactly what to say right. and i do want to just just clarify some things cuz like there are some people that seem to think that monkeypox is is a quote gay disease what what is this what is this
1: oh hurts hurts my heart <laughs> <laughs> so monkeypox is definitely not a gay disease, but this latest outbreak and in here's I'll back up just a tiny little bit about we see monkeypox all the time in countries where it is endemic, meaning monkeypox is in that country. They see it fairly frequently. They know how to treat it, but it doesn't really spread out of those countries very much. This is the first time that we're seeing monkeypox spread and. There were initially no direct ties to travel to those endemic countries, meaning they saw monkeypox in Portugal and Spain, but the people who had monkeypox hadn't traveled to sub-Saharan Africa or n- had direct contact with anyone who had. So everyone was like, OK, wait a minute. Is monkeypox all of a sudden just like airborne now? Or did it like jump, you know, to, to some more sort of new way of transmission? And the answer to that is probably not. We're not entirely sure yet. Probably not. But what they have been tied to is two really big raves. One of them was a rave that is generally like a gay guy rave. So someone in that rave had monkeypox and touched a bunch of people. Someone at another probably went from that one rave one night to another rave the next night didn't know they were carrying monkeypox, went into that rave, touched a bunch of people, and sometimes people leave raves and leave these big parties and go have sex with each other, right? Like that's just, you know, part of the world we live in. it's totally fine. The people who happened to be at this rave and then happened to have sex with each other were gay. So it wasn't, it's not that monkeypox is a gay disease. It's not that it's, you know, you're more likely to get it if you're gay, like nothing like that at all. But because we saw this outbreak, that has been tied back to these two parties in Spain and the outbreak was among gay men, the public health community globally was like, well, we better warn everybody. And since it's Pride and since the gays are kind of kind of all be together coming up in Pride Month, we better issue this extra warning. Well, if you don't bring the nuance and the context to the conversation, what gets lost in the headline is monkeypox spread among gay men. Right. And then everyone's like, oh, okay, great. The gays got a new disease. You know, so it's important to acknowledge the truth that the bulk of the cases, at least early on, were among gay men. It's also important to acknowledge that it gets tied very specifically back to these two parties. And it really could have been anybody at these parties who were sleeping with each other afterwards.
0: So don't go to a rave. And don't (laughs) let strangers touch you.
1: Yeah, It could just literally be like a casual touch. It does generally need prolonged touching. So... Mm. And this is why. How how
0: come I didn't get invited to this rave? Dang. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but think about a
1: rave. You're you're probably listen and just keeping it real. You're probably on some sort of drug or at least alcohol. It's in the middle of the night. You're dancing. Bodies are sweaty and close to each other. Lots of people have their shirts off or in some sort of various state of undress. And you're rubbing up on people for a long time. So even if these people did not have sex, and monkeypox is not a sexually transmitted disease. But it is transmitted through prolonged physical contact, which obviously happens during sex. But that prolonged physical contact can be like I was dancing up on somebody at this rave for 10, 12 minutes while we were maybe both high as a kite, not even realizing what was going on. The only thing is that generally monkeypox is most contagious when you have the rash and the rash is active. So somebody probably went up into one of these parties, had a funky little rash, didn't really realize what it was and just des- decide to get it checked out and instead went to the party. So my message to everybody is, listen, if you got a rash, stay your ass home. If you dancing up on somebody next got a rash, tell them to stay their ass home.
0: Back that ass up. <laughs> you, right. you touched on something else that I've been hearing a lot. You know, when people go to the raves, they are on substances, like you said. I'm also hearing mm-hmm. a lot about People not at raves uh, on substances. And I, I read something, Dr. James, that was talking about ecstasy, which you know is sometimes mm. also used in the dating and dating and mating. <laughs> <laughs> that a lot of the, the ecstasy that's in circulation mm. has high levels of fentanyl, which can be mm. fatal. I know we didn't yeah. even plan to talk about this, but I'm seeing it a lot in my newsfeed and i'm wondering if this is something that you're seeing you know from the clinical side and and how big of a risk really is it
1: we're, we're seeing it big time uh, i actually am really glad you brought this up because this is a great opportunity to talk about it at any time of the year but um now with you know everyone's going out and partying some during pride right remember pride is a party and a protest so have fun doing both this month please But what we are seeing, particularly on the hospital side, is that people are ingesting or smoking or whatever drug you're doing and not knowing that there are high levels of fentanyl in that drug. So I have seen multiple, at least half a dozen people just in the last month where I practice who have taken another drug. So something like cocaine. And they snorted a little bit of cocaine, but the cocaine was cut with fentanyl and it was cut with too much fentanyl. And the person overdosed because fentanyl is incredibly strong. It's 100 times stronger than morphine and it's very hyper concentrated. So it's not necessarily that fentanyl as an opioid is so much more dangerous than other opioids. It's just so much stronger and more concentrated. And the problem is the people who are using the fentanyl and cutting it in other drugs don't know what they're doing. You also don't know where along that drug supply chain, the fentanyl is being added. So what a lot of people, you know, have happened and luckily, you know, the the people that I've had, um, all of them have survived their overdose, though, some of them barely that, you know, they said, well, I just my friend and I have been getting cocaine from the same person the whole time. One of them was even weed. My friend and I have been getting weed from the same person for years. Well, that person may not have known that it was cut. I mean, where it's cut, when it's cut with fentanyl, it's way down the pipeline in terms of these illicit drug pipelines. And they're doing this on purpose to make the drug more addictive so that you come back and buy more of it because fentanyl is highly addictive. So I'm telling everybody look, A, I don't endorse illicit drugs at all. Like, please don't do them. But from a harm reduction standpoint, understanding that people are going to do these things, uh, you really got to step your game up with this. You really have to be like, listen, friend. I think, you know, we're going to a party this weekend. I might have a little cocaine. I might do a little bit, uh, uh, have a little Molly or whatever. Let them know that. There are tons of places that give out Narcan, which is the thing that will reverse fentanyl. So if you overdose on fentanyl, the person can literally just smell Narcan and it, it will reverse it for them. There's lots of different ways that you can kind of protect yourself from this, but we are really seeing it big and bad on the streets. So my, you know, advice right now is if you can avoid those drugs, please do.
0: Oh my gosh. What are the signs that you're overdosing?
1: A lot of times that overdose just comes with with like you stop breathing and your heart stops. I mean, it can be that quick. So those are obviously the really big and bad signs. Whoever you're with, if you see someone overdosing, you, you see them start to... Yes, illicit drugs are supposed to sort of alter your mind and alter your thinking, right? But if you see someone who is... Uh, vomiting, they're not able to control that at all. They're, uh, you know, really not able to talk at all. Um, they're grabbing their chest. They are completely out of it. They won't move or they won't stir, even though you're shaking them pretty vigorously. Things like that are very clear signs of overdose call nine one one right away. And I tell people this on purpose when you call nine one one and say, I think my friend might've overdosed. You get an ambulance that has all the tools and resources to you and you know, sometimes as, let, as little as five minutes, but usually less than 10 minutes. And the people in those ambulances are equipped to bring you back to life. They have the Narcan, they understand all these protocols. Everything we can do in a hospital is in an ambulance and it's not punitive. So if you call the ambulance and say, I think my friend just overdosed on, God, I don't know what, but please come help. They're not also gonna bring with them the police and lock you guys up for doing the drugs right then and there. like. All of these people that I take care of in the hospital who have overdosed—it's not like when they're done with the drug, we're like, "Okay, you're better now. You lived, thanks." Now I'm going to pass you off to the police. Like that's not how it works. It's not punitive. We're here to save your life. So if you if you have any question at all about it whatsoever, Pride Party or not, call nine one one. Thank you for mentioning that. Yeah. Of course.
0: Okay, you, you mentioned Pride Month a couple of times, and it's interesting because, okay, Cupid, we've added some some questions about LGBTQ plus issues. Mm -hmm. And we're really seeing a big trend among users that that the majority of them think it is important that their match cares about the LGBTQ plus community. 97% of daters on OKCupid care about LGBTQ plus issues and seven in 10 said it's important wow. their match does. So, you know, we ask questions like, do you advocate for LGBTQ plus rights? Is it is it okay to silently support the transgender movement? Mm. Do you think LGBTQ plus rights are at risk given the current Supreme mm. Court? What does pride mean to you? And so I'm happy to see that attitudes are shifting. Big time, yeah. I'm also a little bit of a skeptic sometimes because I saw (laughs) this as well, like in the data when, like years, many, many years ago, when people were asked like about racial bias (laughs) and they're like, Mm. no, of course, I'm not racially biased. I would never date anyone who's racially biased. And then they themselves Mm. were racially biased in their choices. Do you feel like there has been A a, an attitude shift around supporting LGBTQ plus rights.
1: Boy, I will, you know, I think when we talk about this in sort of the longer term, absolutely. There's, there's been a huge shift. So I think about how people received me coming out in the nineties in the Midwest versus now, you know, I was, I recently lost my father. And so I was going back and forth from LA to Nebraska a lot, like every other week and not. Now, there might have been still some Trump flags flying and there might have been some very, very hard right political things going on. Nebraska is an extremely red state, but not one person batted an eye in the grocery store, in the hospital, at the funeral home, at any of these places when I talked about my husband, Mm. like not one person batted an eye. And so even if people feel some kind of way about LGBTQ plus folks uh, they certainly are not saying it out loud. I think there's certainly we have sort of passed the threshold of being like, look, you even in places like Nebraska, we, we're, we're not doing this anymore. Now, unfortunately, what comes with that is that, you know, we are still trending towards the highest rate of black trans women being murdered this year. And, we, you know, we thought we saw the record in 2020 and then we thought we saw it in 2021 and we're trending the wrong direction in 2022. So. While we generally talk about the LGBTQ plus community as a whole, I do think it is really important when we have these conversations to sort of separate folks out. So like I am a, I am a biracial. Uh, I sort of identify as pan lately. Um, just being totally honest, like biracial, pansexual, but like sort of cis presenting guy, like cis guy who has money. And privilege and an education. Right. And I live in L.A., like there's a massive amount of privilege that comes with that. And so my experience being a part of the community is categorically different than so many other people. So while I'll say we've come a really long way, particularly, I think, for cisgender, gay men and lesbians, uh, we still have a really long way to go when it comes to the people fully understanding and accepting what it means to be trans and what the trans experience is like and elevating trans voices and getting to a place where people understand that, you know, gender is not a binary and that's scientifically proven and you know, that that trans experiences are real, true, actual lived experiences. So while we like to talk about everybody again in the LGBTQIA community, every single one of those letters has a different lived experience. And we definitely still have some work to do with some folks.
0: Thank you for saying that. We're still talking about Pride Month. and you know, you, you brought up you brought up that you now identify as pansexual. This is actually a trend that we're seeing also mm. at OkCupid okay um, mm-hmm. since last year. We've seen nearly a 10% increase in users identifying as pansexual. There's also been a 250% increase in users identifying as bisexual. 250? And 250. Whoa. And then a 29% increase in users identifying as non-binary. I'm curious because there was like a little bit of hesitation in your voice, Dr. James, when you were like, I guess I'm kind of now identifying as pansexual. <laughs> what? T- can you tell me about right. that? That evolution for you personally, what it means to you, and how other people might be able to come to a definition of their sexuality that is more accurate for them, maybe at this time.
1: Sure. Sure. Absolutely. You know, I I think semantics matter and and words matter. So just so so people understand, pansexual is sort of um, an attractiveness, sexual attractiveness to kind of anyone. But not necessarily in the same degree. So, you know, I always like to joke that, let's say you put, I don't know, Idris Elba and Priyanka Chopra in front of me. Like, I'm always going to pick Idris Elba, but it doesn't mean that I don't think Priyanka Chopra is also really attractive, right? Like, I might actually be sexually attracted to her. I as well have found that once I sort of shed myself of all of these societal norms that, you know, I'm taught to prescribe to that I I, I'm attracted to lots of trans people and have been my entire life. And so there's rather than by sort of being like, well, I am, I am attracted to cisgender men and cisgender women, pan includes our trans brothers and sisters. And so, you know, I think, For the longest time, it was just the word gay, right? That was just super easy. Like, gay was just all-encompassing. Well, yeah, I mean, I am partnered to a cisgender man. That's my boo. We're monogamous. But also, I'm just realizing that the appreciation and a particular sexual attraction that I've had to all different types of people really sort of qualifies me as pan rather than just gay, if that makes sense.
0: It makes total sense. And not only is it Pride Month, there's actually a very important day coming up later this month that you made me aware of. So talk to me about what's happening on June 27th.
1: It is National HIV Testing Day on Monday, June 27th this year. I'm super excited about this because I am a clinical ambassador for the CDC's Let's Stop HIV Together campaign, which is an initiative to get the word out about preventing HIV in general. And so understanding your HIV status has to start with testing, right? Just like everything about HIV in terms of health and how it impacts your life has to start with testing. So national HIV testing day is a big national push to be like, Hey, everybody, I don't care who you're sleeping with. I don't care what your sexual orientation, gender identity, or relationship status is like go and get your butt tested. And there are so many ways to do this. There are tons of free. Like I haven't heard anyone pay for an HIV test in years and years, other than some of the home tests that you can get delivered which result in 15 minutes. It's basically just like doing a COVID test except the swabs in your mouth rather than up your nose. Some of those cost, but you can get those kits delivered to your home for free. They are so fantastic. You can literally just Google like free at home HIV test kit and lots of them will pop up or free HIV testing near me. Either way, the whole thing is to just bring awareness to, you know, testing for HIV as well as understanding that, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but we have medications right now that when taken as prescribed are 95 to 99% effective at preventing HIV through sexual contact. And that is for everyone. And so there are so many of my particularly cisgender, like straight friends who are dating or single and they're like, wait, I can just take a pill and prevent HIV. Yep. Or a shot every other month. Like either way, either one that works for you. So that's there. It's a and resource also
0: like use condoms,
1: use condoms. So June 27th <laughs> coming up before then, after then on that day, whatever, please get your HIV test because listen, if you're HIV negative, you can prevent getting HIV through lots of means. If you are HIV positive, we'll get you into treatment because if you have a suppressed viral load an undetectable viral load, if you have HIV, you actually cannot transmit HIV to someone sexually. So if you're HIV positive and you're like, well, I still wanna be out here in these streets or just have a really healthy sexual relationship with yourself or with multiple partners or with one partner, it doesn't matter. If we get on your meds, if you just take your meds and your viral load's undetectable, you can't transmit it. And then if the person you're having sex with happens to be HIV negative and then they're on PrEP, like ain't no HIV happening anywhere, (laughs) right? And then Mm -hmm. you just go about your life. So it really can be that simple for a lot of people who have access to these medications and so, this is why I just love June 27th and National HIV testing day and being a part of the CDC's Let's Stop HIV Together campaigns because we get to talk about all of this and educate so many folks who have been scared of HIV for so long and now really don't need to be.
0: You're the greatest.
1: Thank you, Damona.
0: Thank you so much for joining me, Dr. James. Be sure to follow Dr. James on Instagram at AskTheNP for Ask the Nurse Practitioner. And at ask the NP underscore on TikTok. And you can check out his website, askthenp.com. The links will be in the show notes. In a moment, I'll be back to answer the following listener question. My out-of-state match is coming to see me after five weeks of talking online. How do I keep my anxiety at bay? You know I've always got you covered with your dating dilemmas. I love receiving Instagram DMs from you. I love receiving your voice memos. It's been a few weeks, friends. I'd love to hear your voice. You can send me a voice memo on Instagram. You can leave me a voicemail or send me a text at 424-246-6255 or hit me up on any of the socials at Damona Hoffman.
1: Dear Demona.
0: Help me. This is an Instagram message from a listener we'll call S. She says, Hi, Damona. I love your podcast, and I have a couple questions regarding a great guy I'm talking to on a dating app who lives in a different state. I'm 36, and he's 38, and we are both ready for something serious. We instantly clicked and progressively started talking daily, FaceTiming, and now he's flying into town to meet for the first time after five weeks of talking. We're both excited. However, I'm scared about the long distance due to my need for communication. We try to make time for each other, even if it's a quick phone call before bed. However, I have self-worth issues and certain fears are resurfacing from my failed engagement one and a half years ago that are causing anxiety, fear, and my need to control the outcome. He's talked about long distance not being a big deal and referred to future dates or occasions if this weekend goes well. How do I set expectations for long distance when I'm anxious, a type A planner, and a little insecure? Not because of anything he said or done. And he's go with the flow, never been in a long-term relationship and has an anything is possible mentality. Also, any recommendations on important topics of conversation or must-do things which will help us decide if we should pursue a relationship. Thank you so much for all your advice oh, S, I'm feeling anxious just reading that question. I hear you, girl. And look, I run a little hot. I run a little anxious myself. So let me give you some tips first for just managing that anxiety. And let me also just frame where you are in the relationship and clarify, like for... A lot of people that listen to the show, when I talk about spacing out the interactions and practicing slow love, that's when you're in the same place. So like not talking every day and not texting a lot in between dates, that's when there's a point when you are going to see each other like within that week. When you are long distance, it's a whole different game. You have to maintain contact because when you already have that separation of Location distance between you, that's when a lot of these anxieties and fears creep in. So let me tell you what you're doing right, S. I would say, first of all, love that you are in close communication. Second of all, I love that you're meeting after five weeks. You need to know if this is legit before you make even more of a time investment. So, five weeks, if you're in a long distance relationship, friends, somewhere between four and eight weeks you best be getting offline and seeing each other. Like, it's pretty important if you actually want to move into a serious relationship because otherwise you have a pen pal. You don't have a boyfriend, you have a pen pal, okay? So we're gonna see what's what. But try not to get too far ahead of yourself. You need to be practicing mindfulness to stay in the moment. Let's deal with the reality of what's happening. So anxiety comes up for a few different reasons, but namely, it comes up when we project to the future or when we ruminate on the past. Right. So I heard a little bit of not rumination on the past, but acknowledgement of the past of you have fears resurfacing. This is your words, not mine. You have fears resurfacing from your failed engagement a year and a half ago. So you're bringing the feelings of that into this current situation. You're also going, I don't know what's going to happen with this long distance thing. What questions do I need to ask so that I know where we're going to be way down, way down the road into the future? So that's enough to make anybody anxious, but if you already lean towards anxiety, which I feel like is like 75% of the population today, (laughs) if you already lean towards anxiety, do yourself a favor and push those two things away and try to stay in the moment. So like meditation, mindfulness, like I get I love traveling. I love traveling. I get a ton of anxiety with traveling because I want everything to work out. Like, I don't want to miss my connections. I want to arrive on time. So when I I was actually traveling last week and I had to several times sit down in that chair and say, "Damona, you're okay. Everything is going to be fine. By the way, everything was fine. Nothing was messed up. (laughs) Like, everything was fine. But my anticipation of things not being okay really got me into a place of anxiety and out of my head. So I'm like, you are okay. Do your breath work. Do a box breath where you, okay, you breathe out slowly, release all the air from your lungs, and then you breathe in through your nose, count to four. Imagine, like, picture a box, and you're going one, two, three, four. Closing the box. And then you hold your breath for a count of four. One, two, three, four. Then you exhale for another count of four. One, two, three, four. Drawing that box in your head. I I promise you that will center you. As soon as you start getting into racing thoughts, this is good for anybody that like to prepare for a date, anything, just to bring you back into the present moment. There's so many other mindfulness tricks I could give you, but we'll just start with that one. And really focus when you're with him on being in the moment, okay? There's one question I need you to clarify Okay, this is the most important question. This is truly the only question that needs clarification. Is there a possibility that if it works out, one of you could move? And this isn't works out tomorrow. This is down the road in the future. Would you be willing to go to where he is? Would he be willing to come to where you are? Could you two go together to a new place? Could you be in the same place? Theoretically, sometime in the next two years. Because if the answer to that is "Mm -mm, not going to happen, I'm rooted here. I got my family, got my dog. I got my lifestyle, got my job. And he feels the same way or whatever else is, are the the reasons for being rooted in a place, then you're signing yourself up for a really hard road. Long distance, long term just doesn't work. Okay. I've seen it work hmm, maybe once. So it could work, but it doesn't really work. Okay. The goal is for you to have a partner that you can share space with at least for like the majority of the year. Okay. So that's the only thing I want you to clarify. I don't want you to put a timeline, an ultimatum, any kind of stress on the decision. Just like, what could that look like? Where could you live? What would it be like? Are there jobs that you could do where he lives? Are there jobs he could do where you live? Hmm. Okay. And, that's it. Beyond that, just have fun. You're still in the honeymoon phase. Just have fun getting to know one another. And as soon as those feelings of like, oh, my ex and my failed engagement and all of that start coming up, do the box breath or do another mindfulness technique that is like, no, 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 new person. This is a new person sitting in front of me. Now, the common denominator between all of your relationships, of course, is you. (laughs) So I'm glad that you acknowledge that you're a little insecure, not because of anything he's said or done. And you have to keep reminding yourself to separate those two. That's a constant mindfulness process that you will have to do as well. Look, anxiety is a need to control. Like I was saying I want to control the outcome of like everything in travel going right, which it's not going to do during mercury retrograde, especially. But, you know, I just get curious when i when I hear people have anxiety, and this you said, you know, it's um, it's that you, you're type A, you're a planner, and you like to know, you like that certainty. And it makes me wonder as what was out of control when you were younger? What was out of your control? What was out of control or what was out of your control? Because that is often what will push us into anxiety. If we have a situation where life was happening to us, we didn't have a voice, we didn't have a choice. And then in adulthood, it makes us, really put our foot on the anxiety gas. And you have a beautiful opportunity in front of you right now to practice acceptance, to practice going with the flow. You have a person in front of you who sounds like he's already mastered it. Um, He's 38. He's never been in a long-term relationship. He likes to go with the flow. Let's see. Can you look at this connection as as a bit of an experiment for you? And if it's an experiment, we're just gathering data. We're not trying to, we can't, we can't be, if you're a scientist, you can't be making your hypothesis before you've gathered the data. You got to gather the data and look at it then. So think of it like that. You're like a dating scientist. (laughs) I'm not giving out degrees or anything, but I hope that's helpful. Try the box breath, try to stay in the moment and just try to have fun and enjoy your time together. It's a its a beautiful treat. And I appreciate you listening to the show and writing into me about this very, very relatable question. I hope you enjoyed episode 414 of Dates and Mates. I'd love for you to tell a friend about the show. Maybe you know somebody who needs this information about health and wellness or somebody who is embarking on a long distance relationship. Please share it. Spread the love. And I love to hear from you. You can DM me your question if you'd like to be in a Dear Demona segment at Demona Hoffman on the socials or at 424-246-6255. That line also takes texts. And please give me feedback. I'd love to know what you love about the show, what you would like to see more of and which guests you love hearing from. I'll be back again next Tuesday with one of my absolute faves, John Kim. He's known as the Angry Therapist. He's going to be here with his partner and co-author, Vanessa Bennett, to talk about breaking relationship cycles and manifesting the relationship that you want. Until then, I wish you happy pride and happy dating.